End to end is back for season three, episode one. We finally come to season three. The puck has dropped for the hockey season a couple days ago, and we're all excited for it to get going up and running. So, Joe, there's it's finally back, man. We've seen some signings. We see some people put on the trading block. We see some trends in the NHL already, and we're already, what, like two games into some people's seasons, and hockey's back. What's your feeling right now? I love it. I was so happy watching it on Wednesday when it first started. And just the North, we're going to get to it a bit later, but the North division is going to be so good. Like, it might get tiring seeing the same teams play each other, but as of right now, I am like all in on this division. Because, <laughs> like, as we, like, as you saw, like, between Vancouver Edmonton, that was like two completely different teams on two mm -hmm. completely different nights, and they played yeah. back to back. So, like, just seeing stuff like that, like, again, like, the Leafs lost uh, last night to Ottawa. They play again. Like, they could win, like, 5 nothing tonight. And it's just, yeah. like, it's so different every night, basically. Yeah, we'll see what team comes up this time because they did not look good last night. And like you said about Edmonton and Vancouver, both teams uh, played bad games. And, yeah, one of them got the wins in each game. So uh, we're just excited, honestly. It's back. Anything hockey-wise, I'm excited to watch. So... Um, without further ado, we could get into the first point here. We didn't discuss it last episode, I believe. Uh, Matt Barzell signed a three-year deal, $21 million uh, for the whole deal, seven mil per. Uh, do you think this is an appropriate contract for the Islanders and Barzell? And they cut it pretty close. Yeah, so I think I like the contract because it's it's not two years. I was honestly thinking it was going to be like a Dubois where it's two years. So at least they got the extra year at seven mil, which honestly is a good contract for him because he's a... He's worth like at least I would say he's worth eight on a like a eight to eight and a half on a long term deal. So they were able to get three years of Barzell. He'll still, I think, be an RFA after this contract's done. So at least they'll still have his rights when it's done. And I think it's just smart for the Islanders because they do have a lot of like long term contracts on that team right now. So maybe in three years, like they're able to move on from some or some will expire. So it kind of just gives them more time to then hopefully for Islanders fans extend Barzell to like a max eight-year deal yeah I agree he's a pretty sick player and the other guy you just kind of mentioned Pierre-Luc Dubois is set to be on the trading block after he signed a two-year deal uh, your thoughts on that and the rumors surrounding the Montreal Canadiens being on him all right so this one's so weird because he was an RFA and they no one offer sheeted him. So Columbus obviously resigned him as they should. He's their best forward. But it was only a mm -hmm. two-year, like we mentioned last episode, two years at $10 million, so $5 million per year. And from like the, the reports that are coming out about this guy, like he is not happy in Columbus for whatever reason. It might have to do with like torts and like maybe he just wants like a bigger spotlight. So obviously he's from Quebec. And it, it's reported that Montreal is his preferred landing spot. My problem with this is that uh, there's reports that Columbus wants like Nick Suzuki and then then some, which I will not do if I'm Mark Bergevin. Like I Suzuki is probably a step below Dubois right now, and he's a year younger, and he has the potential. A lot of people say to be like kind of like the next Patrice Bergeron. You saw versus Toronto where he's really he made some really good. Uh, defensive plays in his own zone batting pucks out of the air and he's got the offensive skills right now to kind of be like a, a second line center for sure so I don't like that like the if I'm a Montreal fan I would only do 
like cock and yummy and like a pick and a okay prospect like maximum for Dubois like I, I'm not like he's good Dubois but they have guys now that are solid you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah I would uh in a heartbeat I would trade Jesperi cock and yummy for him yeah he's just the French guy he's already sick now and you know he doesn't put up the numbers that he should be putting up but he also plays in a system where uh, in Columbus, where like John Tortorella's tell him to uh, focus on the defensive defensive aspects of the game, and he is. He's pretty sick at it, and he can put up points in a scenario in Montreal. I know the scenario right now for Jonathan Drouin isn't working out as you would hope, but I think Drouin's going to get back on track, and maybe not the uh, track he was supposed to go on with how sick he was on the Lightning, but I think if he sees he's like, what, a 50, 40-point guy in a full season, I think that's pretty much what you... Kind of traded for in that guy, but you hope a little bit more from him. But Pierre-Luc Dubois is unbelievable center. He's on a good contract. Just in two years, it might be a problem for Columbus um, because, you know, a lot of more players are coming up. They're going to have to sign more contracts. And he's already unhappy right now. Imagine in two years. So we'll keep tabs on that Pierre-Luc Dubois scenario there. Another scenario we're keeping track on, and it's I, I know it's only two games. If you're listening, it's only two games into the season. But, Joe, are the Penguins already in trouble? I think they are. Like they had so much roster turnover this off season because of good old Jimmy Rutherford over there. <laughs> For some reason, has to every time they like lose in the playoffs, he like makes so many trades, like unnecessary moves, but to like build around the core, or whatever. But obviously, they traded Matt Murray away because they believe that Tristan Jari was their guy. They retooled the blue line, and they mm-hmm. just got embarrassed both games against <laughs> the Flyers. Yeah. So if Jari can't be that number one guy, all they have is Casey DeSmith behind him. So if those, if Jari can't be the number one because he got pulled last night, yeah. they're they're not making the playoffs 100%. Yeah, like I believe they're not in trouble just because obviously fault, small sample size, two games, and you're probably playing the best team in your division with them in Boston and Washington as well. But I strongly believe the Flyers are the best team in that division and they just look ready to go right off the start. Penguins did not look ready off the start. They were down 3 nothing, I believe, last night. And then they had a Kyle kind of battle back. And obviously they didn't as they lost. Like you said, Yari got pulled. He has not looked great. But the defensive front of him has not looked great either. I mean, when <laughs> you have Cody Cece in your opening lineup and then he's, you scratch him for Chad Rudweedle, <laughs> tough things in Pittsburgh right now. So obviously we will keep tabs on the Penguins. I think they're fine, but... They looked pretty bad in these two games versus Flyers. So, as you said at the top of the podcast, the North Division is going to be great. We've seen some great games. We'll definitely keep tabs on that because we're from Canada, from Toronto. So, uh, you're a Habs fan, I'm Montreal, or you're, you're a Montreal fan, I'm a Toronto fan. So, we'll definitely have a lot of things to talk about after those, I think, nine or ten games you're going to be playing. But the first one, how do you think that, uh, how do you think that outcome was for both teams? For the Toronto game? Yeah. Uh, well, they got a lot of bounces, and mm-hmm. if you take out four minutes out of that game, they lose 4-1. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. my thoughts on it. <laughs> you take out that one bounce, the ref, the fourth goal, and Montreal taking three penalties in like two minutes, That there's the game right there. That's, yeah, yeah. That was three goals they scored, the Leafs. So, like, Montreal, I wouldn't say dominated. They just outplayed them. I wouldn't say dominated. They outplayed No, they played them. a better game. Yeah, so they outplayed them. At least they got the points. I'm not that mad. But, man, I, I do not want to see goddamn Deneau out there three times in OT after that <laughs> embarrassing breakaway. Well, even, dude, I saw Weber out there for the first thing. And I was like, what is he doing? 
I know. Like, you should have Petrie. Th- that's what I said. Yeah, Petrie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that. I don't but, know. And that change line change that was line. horrible. Yeah, that. Yeah, Byron. What a retard, man. <laughs> that was embarrassing. That was all his fault. Yeah. When's the next time they play? I don't even know. I don't know. But I, I, I think February. I don't think they play again in January. I could be wrong though. It's soon. Whatever. It doesn't matter. We're gonna get ten games of that. It's gonna be exciting. So. Um, there's a thing that happened in that game. I think we want to talk about it. Um, the cross-checking on Matthews. Like, I don't know what to think on it, but I, I don't know if it stems from this Matthews cross-checking. Like, he obviously got cross-checked in front of the net from Shea Weber about, like, four three times, and then Sherrod as well. But I think this is just, like, um, from years ago. I think cross-checking is one of those calls that's, that's never really called as a cross-check. It's You have to get three cross-checks on the back in order for it to be a penalty. Like... Mm-hmm. A cross check is a two minute minor. It should be called the first time you do it, right? I'm, I don't yeah. know what your thoughts on this. As a defenseman, because I play defense, you're you're basically told to like basically punish forwards who want to plant their ass in front of the net. You got, yeah, like they'll take it. Like Montreal has Gallagher; he gets the same abuse. So this is not just for like Matthews, but this tweet that came out saying like protect star players. Like, how do you determine who is a star player? Like. What if someone like last year wasn't and then now is a star player, for example? Like say someone has a breakout year, like do they now have to get protected more? So like I don't understand why the hell that was even an argument. Like the star player, you just have to enforce the rules being called more, which I definitely agree with. Yeah. Like for that Sherrod one, like all those cross checks, like you gotta call that at some point. Mm-hmm. If you see Matthews like wincing going to the bench, because you don't want that if yeah. you're the if you're like the NHL, for example, and then like, and then like, you know, Matthews cross-checked Sharon, and he broke his stick. Yeah, that should like, be a penalty. Yeah, like or offsetting minors. You know what I mean? Like yep. they didn't call anything on that whole sequence, and that's how players get hurt. It doesn't matter, star players or not. You got to protect everyone in the league. Yeah, the cross-check is definitely one of those penalties that never really gets called as a cross-check. It's yeah, like I said, three times in the back or rib or something, <laughs> and then it gets called, even though it should be after one. Like when a trip's called. You get that one trip, it's a penalty. You get that slash, it's a penalty. They nailed down slashing a few years ago, and I think cross-checking has to be the next one up. But mm-hmm. you could say all you want. You could say the league's, get, league's getting soft. They're protecting their star players. But at the end of the day, cross-checking is in the rule book, and it is a penalty. So yeah, we'll see what happens during the year. But I don't know. Let's see if they more enforce it. Hopefully. Because I, I just don't want players getting hurt for stuff that's not called, even though it yeah. should be called. Like, okay, one cross-check in front of the net, fine. But if you're like going two three times (laughs) and the guy falls like okay you gotta call that like that's bullshit agree so now we're gonna go back into our segments because it's been a while since we've Mm -hmm. gone into them so we'll start off with the hard hat award winners here so if anyone needs a reminder if you're a new listener to the podcast so the hard hat is awarded to the best player in the nhl this past week of play even though the season just started on wednesday so it's only about two game sample size we record every saturday for the most part so as of right now, there's only very few guys I would put here. But Thomas, who do you got for your hard hat? Yeah, I got number 90, 97 himself. I'm going to use him in the first uh, week, Connor McDavid. Just, I don't even know if I'm picking him for the four points hat trick he got. I'm just picking him for that goal he scored. Like, I don't know how you're able to go that fast, stop on a dime, basically freeze Edler and Demko, and then roof it top shelf. It's... I don't know. You just kind of like, you say, I don't know, every time McDavid kind of does that move, and he does it every time. And getting the hat trick versus Vancouver, he didn't play a really good game the first game they played in the season opener, but he definitely redeemed himself. And uh, 
Connor McDavid is in for a season, man. That Canadian division, he's just going to light it up. So I'm going to use my first week on Connor McDavid. How about you? So for my first pick, this was also a guy that had a four-point night, and this was last night in the Pittsburgh game, and that's Travis Konechny, who on in two games so far has three goals and two assists for five points. So he's currently tied with Dreisaitl and Tavares, I think. Those are the three with five points through two games so far. So I, I just put him there because he got the hat trick yesterday. And, you know, he's not like a super superstar, but he's obviously a great player for the Flyers. So as you said, the Flyers are probably the strongest team in the East Division. I just have Travis connecting there as a solid player. They're going to need to rely on him because uh, in the playoffs last year, he kind of went a little bit quiet. So if he's able to kind of bounce back in the playoffs when they get there because I think they're going to make the playoffs, then that's good for the Flyers. Yep, I agree. And we could move into the Golden Plunger. But first, this guy obviously it could have um, could have been a candidate for the Golden Plunger. Uh, Tony D'Angelo is going to be a scratch for the New York Rangers. Your quick thoughts on that. I know we talked about it in our group chat, but just quickly. Wait, did, was this just announced now? Yeah, like five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I have a cycle that I've determined. I know. <laughs> that that respect that follows the career of Tony, Bobby, or D'Angelo. So let me just find it in our group chat here. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, it's worth it. Uh, all right. Okay. So, this is the career of Tony Bobby or D'Angelo. So, this guy, it always it's a cycle. So, he gets traded from a team. So, he was drafted by Tampa, got traded to Arizona, then got traded to the Rangers. I think that's how it was. He talks a lot of shit on Twitter regarding basically not just him, but just he just always, like if people go into his DMs, he'll blast them on his personal Twitter. And then he'll have like a lot of stupid like, political things like I guess like I don't follow him that intensely but like he gets ripped on a lot on Twitter for his for his takes and his opinions but then but then he'll go out and get five points like he did last year where he scored a hat trick and five points for the Rangers <laughs> then he'll talk even more shit on Twitter piss off more people and then he'll get dangled his jock off he saw yep. multiple times in the mm-hmm. playoffs of the bubble last year where Aho took him to school he actually took a knee <laughs> <laughs> and then uh on what was it wednesday or thursday they played the rangers wednesday wednesday no, so no thursday right it was a right. thursday so whatever they played the islanders at home he makes a bad pass to a pile on jack johnson so honestly it's not his fault completely because jack johnson's terrible <laughs> barzell picks up the puck dangles him and snipes on shesterkin and just like and he just gets embarrassed mm-hmm. then he'll cry on twitter <laughs> And then he'll suspend his account, so then he doesn't take too much abuse that he starts. And since now that you said he'll be a healthy scratch, this just continues the cycle of him potentially getting traded again. Because <laughs> I know the Rangers didn't want to give him a long-term contract. So that is my official cycle of Bobby or D'Angelo. I like the cycle. I like the cycle. Um, yeah, just before we kind of like, I don't know, come to conclusions on D'Angelo... I was going to say Bobby D'Angelo for a second, but it's Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> I don't think Tony D'Angelo is like a bad player. Like, I think he's an offensive defenseman, yeah, not, a de- yeah. not, not a typical like defensive zone defenseman where he can defend like really elite and great. But I think he's a solid NHL defenseman, but just the stuff that kind of surrounds him is defensive zone laps. Like every time he has a lapse, it's a, it's a uh, highlight reel on him. And it's, you could literally go back and look at the games and kind of uh, make one of him, but yeah, he's gonna stop that stuff on Twitter. I like I like D'Angelo as a player, but 
all the other stuff surrounding him is just not really great at the moment right now, and especially a time where the New York Rangers are trying to kind of make a push to the playoffs. You don't want that stuff surrounding your team when you're already on a high. You have Lafreniere playing, you have Shesterkin, the rookie, playing, and you have Panarin coming on his second year after he was nominated for multiple awards. You do not want that stuff surrounding your team, and I don't know what happens with D'Angelo, but right now he's a scratch, and that's not looking good for his career right now. I can get to my golden plunger, so flush the toilet for me. And let's get right into it. So, with my golden plunger, I am going with a coach in the NHL. He recently scratched Keith Yandel. I think we know who it is. It's Joel Quenville of the Florida Panthers. I do not know what to make of this. We've talked about it multiple times in our group chats. And Keith Yandel is one of of the uh, best offensive defenseman in the last few years in the National Hockey League. I wouldn't say top 10, but he's definitely close in, in that conversation because he puts up a lot of points on the power play. His defensive zone game kind of sucks, but I think we all know that by now. He's 33 or 34 years old. We know what kind of player he is, but Joel Quenville seems to think that other defensemen in his system and on the taxi squad are better players than Keith Yandel. And for me, I don't think anyone is better than Keith Yandel on a team besides maybe Aaron Ekblad, but at the end of the day, you can't give this guy a scratch after he has, what, 886 games in a row Ironman streak dating back to, I think, 2009. That's It's not Babcock area where he scratched Matano on his 1,500 game. That's nowhere close. It's a different scenario. This is just based off play. I don't know. Maybe he showed up for camp lazy. Maybe he showed up for camp over, under, overweight, but... We'll never know, just looking at it right now on their paper, I think Keith Yandel's the, what, the second best defenseman on their team. I think we all agree with that. So that decision basically is a golden plunger for me. It's just really odd and kind of stupid. So do you agree with that, I think, right? Definitely, yeah. yeah. That's such a dumb thing. Like I know Iron Man streak is more like a player's thing, and it's, like you said, it's not like the Medano 1,500 games, but it's just like this guy hasn't, played is suited up for like basically over 10 years and then you're just gonna scratch him because you think like i don't know anton strawman and gudis and all this Juleson are like better like no like if you think his defensive game is that bad put him on the third pairing for five on five and then put him on the power play again because florida i'm sorry to tell you but your offense is going to be shit this year since you lost both Hoffman and Dadanoff for nothing, and then signed Duclair as like your replacement for both of them, so you're gonna be starved for goals all year long. So I don't know what you're doing, scratching another offensive player on your team. So you deserve the plunger, Quinn, Coach Q. Yep, for sure. So for my pick, so this kind of builds off the Penguins in trouble. This guy definitely deserves it. Like, again, it's too early to tell to overreact if they're in big, big trouble, but it's more just going forward if this continues. It's Tristan Jari, the goalie for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So right now he's 0-2 with a 7-10 save percentage and a 7.5 goals against average. Obviously those numbers are inflated because they only played two games and he got pulled last night. But he hasn't looked sharp at all. The defense hasn't looked good. So it's not totally his fault. But just those numbers alone are just like terrible. And they, they just got dominated both games by the Flyers, which is not good because they're going to be playing them another nine more times. So if that continues, they're screwed. So that Tristan Jari is my golden plunger of the week. Yep. I, I would agree. That definitely factors in. I know it's two games and I've said that, but you got to be better than that. Like that goals against average is atrocious. 
to start the season. <laughs> so then we got we got to call up our guy again because he he's been with us before, but we haven't touched base with him in a while. And it's our man Jason Derulo for our next segment of What You Say. Take it away, Jason. What you say? Yeah, Jason's fired up right now. <laughs> he's fired up for the new season. So <laughs> uh, for this, one, yeah, you you introduce it. All right, so this happened again last night. Like, so much of this news was based on last night. So after the Flyers game, a game in which they won. So right now they're 2-0. <laughs> they're first basically in the division, obviously. First in the NHL based on, like, goal differential, all that. So four points in two games. So during a media session after post-game with Jake Voracek and Travis Konechny, a, a reporter who asked, like, a, a typical question. Like, it wasn't, like, anything malicious. Yeah. So Voracek responds by saying this. This is for Jake. Um, two games in, Jake. How different does the season feel, if at all, given the circumstances of the offseason and the condensed schedule and everything? doesn't matter what I say, Mike. You're going to write fucking shit every time. It doesn't matter what you say. Uh, yeah, it feels different. I mean, we got four points after the first two games. Uh, I, I wasn't even going to answer your question because you are such a weasel. It's not even funny. Next question. So for those of you... We don't have background to this to this uh, situation. Like people are saying, why? Why did he act like that? <laughs> so that reporter who asked him the question, apparently, I didn't know this until last night either. So mostly Flyers fans know this. So he, this guy continually blames Voracek for the Flyers' failures and always suggests of trading him and that he's not worth the money and he's lazy. So if I'm Voracek, that's a, a definitely a response that I would give to a reporter who's been giving me shit for like five years. Yeah. So I don't know, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, like I think it's, um, I said in our chat, like I think it's good for the NHL, not necessarily that response, but like I think showing more emotion in a post-game interview, especially from people, like let's be honest, like mostly it's NHL players, they get these questions from the uh, these this me- these media guys, probably hate their guts of the stuff they write. It's basically the same thing, blaming them for losses, blaming them for unsuccessful seasons, playoff exits and stuff like that. And I think it got to a point where Voracek couldn't handle it. And you obviously clearly heard it in his voice that he couldn't handle it anymore. And I, I couldn't agree more with Jacob Voracek and what he said. Konechny's reaction kind of um, kind of makes it a lot better. But at the end of the day, there's a lot more media guys out there that um, the players hate. And I think they're not going to do the same reaction as Voracek because I don't know if they have that build frustration up in them to say it. Like, remember Matthews with Steve Simmons? He kind of put it politely, but... He could have easily went off on him and saying that he got COVID and he kind of released that news when he didn't want it to be really public. But mm-hmm. that's a different scenario. This is five years of literally blaming someone for unsuccessful Flyer seasons when there's a team around the Philadelphia Flyers. So I agree with Warcheck. I think we need this more in the NHL. We need more of the uh, unscripted answers from the guys uh, after post games. But if you have any last minute thoughts, just go ahead and say it. Yeah. So like, I agree with Warcheck as well. Like, I agree with you in saying that the NHL needs more players like this because they give the same questions and answers every single goddamn time. And they need, and if you want to generate buzz, if you're the NHL, yep. you need guys that could step out of that robotic answer, robotic question. Like these reporters are so stupid half the time. Like I know <laughs> they're trying to get clickbait and all this shit, but like it's it gets to a point where if you're a player, like enough's enough. Like these guys are like painting you in a bad light when you're. When you're playing out there and you're taking all this abuse on social media and all this, like yeah. that's that's embarrassing. So that's why, uh, like journalists, they gotta watch out from now on after that clip. 
Yeah, they definitely have to be very careful, especially if the journalist knows you kind of have a bad relationship with a player and you kind of want to ask them a question. Like, it was a normal question, just built up frustration, like I said, from Borchek, but... Konechny's, Konechny's reaction is hilarious. He didn't. He did not know it was coming. No, no, no. He's gonna be a meme now. Yeah, I'm gonna use that. <laughs> and then for our final segment of the episode, we're bringing it back. It's Battle of the Buds. So, if for all the new listeners, old listeners, so what this section is or this segment is, is that Thomas and I will pick three games from tonight to next Saturday. And then we pick teams based on the games, and then whoever, and then we will tally up the wins and losses over the course of the season. And then whoever mm-hmm. wins is the winner of the Battle of the Buds. So, Thomas, who are your picks for uh, this upcoming week? Yeah, my picks is the Leafs at the Senators tonight. I'm going to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think they have to bounce back in a game where they looked sluggish last night, so I'll take them there. Uh, then I'll take the Blues, who are home to the Sharks on January 18th. They just came off a... 8 nothing destroying loss. I think they really have to bounce back more than the Leafs do against the Sens. And then I'm taking the Avalanche, who are going away to the Staples Center and versing the Kings on January 19th. I have the Avs in that one. I think they're just going to get rolling after that 8 nothing win. So those are my three picks. All right. Those are solid picks. For mine, I have Hurricanes at Detroit. That's tonight. So I know the Hurricanes. Carolina just got... A 14 save shutout from Peter Morazic, <laughs> which is just pathetic from Detroit. Like, yeah. I honestly thought, like, I knew he was, they're going to win, but like 14 shots in three periods, like Detroit. I know you haven't played since March, but come on. Yeah, that's, yeah, I got to put a better effort than that. Yeah. So then I got the Hurricanes there. And then the Bruins visit the Islanders on January 18th. I have the Islanders winning at home. That one could be a toss up. I always like having a toss up game in my picks. Because it either could work out or not. Yep. Keeps it entertaining. And then I got the Coyotes visiting the Golden Knights on January 20th. And I have the Golden Knights winning at home for that one. Yep, solid picks. Uh, we'll keep tabs on that all year. Um, you said you don't have a hot take right now. But, yeah, I, I guess we can kind of include that Pittsburgh one as a hot take. Are the Penguins in trouble after we two We could, games? yeah. Like, so... We already explained why or why not they're in trouble, but, I mean, we can include it. I mean, it's something to discuss, right? Sure. I'll yeah. include it into my uh, spicy meatball, I yeah. guess. Put it down there. I-, I don't think they're in trouble personally, but you said they might be. So, it's definitely something to look back on at the end of the season, where they're, whether they're in the playoffs or not. We don't know, but we'll see. And, um, yeah, solid picks in the Battle of the Buds. We had Flagger last year. Obviously, he's not on the podcast anymore, but... I believe you or myself won, but I can't remember. It was a long time. It was literally almost a year ago. I think like, I think you won by one or two wins. It was very close, and then uh, Andrew, who like you said was used to be on the podcast, was like had like a losing record here, thirty and thirty-two. I think you had like thirty-nine wins, and I had like thirty-seven. It was something like that. It was very close. Like it would have been going down to the last few weeks for sure. And then yeah, we all know what happened. COVID, goddamn COVID. Yep, so that's been the hard hat. We reintroduced that. The Golden Plunger reintroduced that, what you say, and Battle of the Buds. So we'll continue to do that every Saturday, I think, for the uh, majority of the season. But, I mean, as you're typing away on that uh, hot take, do you have anything else to say before we kind of wrap things up? Yeah, so I recently released an article of five bold predictions entering the 2021 season. So that was released last week. 
and it's just five things that I think could happen. One, I think that will happen, but you could decide for yourself which one that one will be. So that's on the breakdownsports.com. So go check that one out. Yeah, I don't really have anything out right now. I just have the milestone watch that was released before the season started. And some people have actually hit the milestones. I know Spezza hit 600 assists. I believe someone hit another one. I can't remember, but... I think Dustin Brown hit 300 goals. Did he hit 300 goals? Yeah, he scored, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, so he hit it as well. So the major ones are basically almost hit, but go look at that and see, kind of track this whole season, whether they're going to hit the milestone or not. And then I don't know if I'm going to release a prediction for the... um, the West Division, obviously the season started by now, but I think it's still early enough where I can. I don't know if I should, but we'll see. But yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much it from me. Yeah, end to end, we'll be returning. Next Saturday. Join us. Woo!